0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, good morning. Well, happy Resurrection Day. No, no, no. Okay, I'm going to say it and then you say it back to me. It's kind of like a wave goes out and then it comes in, okay? Happy Resurrection Day. I love all of you. All right. Well, welcome. So I'm really excited about this morning because he is alive and we serve a God that is not in the grave. Praise the Lord. You know, um, this is my um, favorite week and it's also the week that I hate the most. And so there's this conflict of emotions that happens this week because we all know what happened. We all know about... Jesus coming into the city. And so why did he come into the city? He came into the city because it was the festival and the feast of Passover, right? And so everybody was coming into Jerusalem. They were all there for Passover. And so he rides into the city, you know, and and he, he rides in, and even though he's on a donkey, everybody is celebrating him. They're all laying down the palm leaves. They're all saying, he's going to be our savior, right? He's going to save us from the political environment of the day. He's going to save us from Rome. So they were so excited. But he came in to be the Passover lamb that he came to celebrate. And so I really want to talk about the Last Supper, and I want to focus on the Last Supper, because at the Last Supper, there was so much that happened there. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to start there. Jesus said this to his disciples, and I love when Jesus speaks like this because he says it in such a passionate way. You know, love is passionate. Don't you know that? Love is passionate. Love has emotions attached to it, and love causes things to change. Love causes things to move. Amen? Amen. So Luke 22, then he said to them, With a fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so he named his desire, it was not just desire, but he fervently desired to eat this meal. And so how many of you love to eat? Raise your hand. Right? And we had this long table outside last night. It was so beautiful. I think we can seat 16. It actually looks like the last supper table. (laughs) We have a lot of kids. For those of you that don't know, we have seven kids and 13 grandkids. So everybody's always eating all the time at my house. Um, Anyway, so you have this massive table. And you know, when you gather together with the ones that you love, something special transpires when you eat together. And so with a fervent desire, he desired to eat this last meal with them, the last supper, to eat the Passover meal. And it wasn't just, I want to have, you know, lamb. It wasn't just that. It wasn't just, I want to eat a meal, but it was the Passover meal. And he's saying to them, I am so excited about this feast, the feast of Passover, that I actually get to eat this with you because there's so many symbolisms in that, in that feast of who Jesus was, what he did. And even though they were celebrating what happened to Egypt long before when they were delivered uh, from the Egyptians and into freedom, this was the feast that he was so excited to celebrate with them. And so he says, with a fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover before I suffer. And so he already knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew what was going to go down. He knew what his next 24 hours was going to look like. Yet what was on his mind was having a meal with a fervent desire with these ones that he loves, his friends, the ones that he had spent the last three years with. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Amazing. His focus again is not on him, but it's on his disciples. Remember, he said to Pontius Pilate when he was asked if he was the king. And so he's sitting there and he's being tested. He's, you know, Pontius Pilate is like, all right. So, everybody says you're a king. Are you a king? And Jesus says this in John chapter 18. He says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And so he continues the thread of talking about the kingdom. Because he's about to show them something. Heaven and earth is about to kiss. And once again, the kingdom is going to be available for those who now say yes to him. And this kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. And so again, even his disciples sitting at that table with him are still thinking to themselves, All right, when are you going to save us from Rome? When are you going to save us from Rome? And he's like, stop thinking small. You're thinking with a natural mind that you are going to be saved from a natural condition, but I am about to save you into a supernatural condition, and there is a supernatural kingdom that is about to be available to you. Amen? So, Passover... So, I love that he says to them as he's coming into the city, he said, okay, I want you to go tell a certain man. Now, he doesn't actually name the man. So, I'm presuming they either knew who this man was or they could have chosen any man, right? But he said, I want you to go and uh, say to a certain man, say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So, he already had a place in mind. Where he was gonna go and enjoy this time with his with his disciples. And so what he did is he took advantage of this opportunity. Now, do you remember back on Sermon of the Mound when Jesus first came onto the scene? And he said, my kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for my kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said this. He goes on to teach for three chapters on the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives basically a how to live in the kingdom. It's a lot of do's and don'ts. Hey, you may not want to do this. You do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Right? Sermon on the Mount. It's beautiful. Blessed is he who is. All of the blessings, right? Well, on the, at the end of his ministry... He's sitting there with his disciples at the Last Supper. And what does he do? But he brings them into the most eloquent, beautiful, relational teaching that has ever been taught. And it is located in John chapter 13 through John 17. And he tells them, I love you. You are my friend. I have to go away. But it's for your benefit that I leave Because when I go, I'm going to send a helper in my place, and he's going to lead you into all truth. And his name is the Spirit of Truth. All right, so here's what he did during this time. When he's talking to them about this transition that's coming, he's talking to them about his, his, uh, his death, his resurrection, and that he will leave them with the Holy Spirit. So he's going through and he's telling them all of this, but it's all based in relationship. It's all based in friendship. It's all based in this vulnerable place where his heart is being, um, opened to them saying, this is all about connection. Everything in my kingdom is run through relationship with me and relationship with one another. He says four things. He tells us that we are to love with his love. And through this sacrificial, truthful, and passionate love, we'll grow in love. Have you ever tried to love somebody in your own strength? I can tell you, it's not pretty. I tried that for, oh, the first 40 years of my life. And I always fell short. It was a fearful love. It was a love based in fear. And then I met Jesus. And he taught me what true love looked like. Because real love is a supernatural love. It's a love that covers sin. It's a love that sets the captives free. It covers. Love that covers. Love that makes people feel safe. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. Number two, he tells us our power comes from believing and through prayer in his name. And so he said to them, listen, this is it. I'm not just going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you guys orphans. I'm actually going to give you power when you believe in me. And so he goes through and he's telling them about how the kingdom will work when they believe and that they will be able to access heaven to transform the earth. Number three, he says this, he must leave so that the helper, the spirit of truth can come and lead us into all truth. Number four, he says that our fruitfulness is through union with him and the work of his truth through us. I'm going to say that again. He said this, our fruitfulness is through union with him is through union with him and the spirit of truth working through us. You don't get to take anything into your account that is not initiated by God. You are not allowed to take anything on the other side that you are depositing into this millennial reign that has not been initiated by the word of God. And if we try to operate in anything other than truth, what happens is we're going to Become deceived, especially in the days that we're living. And so, I want to talk a little bit about this thing called um, unleavened bread. So here he is; he's in he's doing the Passover. Okay, There's certain rituals in the Passover traditions that he initiated in the Old Testament, and um, one of them is unleavened bread. And it's really interesting because when you see a picture of the Last Supper, you know Jesus is, looks like an American. You know, he's got, here, let me get this. He's got a big old piece of bread, you know, and it's like, okay, let's pass this around. But the truth is, if you know anything about the feast of Passover, there's no leaven allowed in the house. So this wasn't anywhere near his table, okay? But I want to tell you about what this is, because this is actually going to serve a purpose for this teaching, okay? So I'm just going to set that right there, all right? So what he had is he had this. Mmm, yum. Hala. <laughs> I know. I know I'm looking at Texans. You're thinking, well, with a little queso, that might work. <laughs> All right, so what he did is he broke the bread, okay? It broke with a snap, all right? He tore this bread, and he said this in Matthew 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Now again, he is the lamb that's about to be slain the pure and the spotless lamb, he is the bread of life. The word said that he is the bread that came down out of heaven. The truth is, he is the unleavened bread that came down out of heaven. And that when we eat of him and partake of him, we're partaking of truth. Now, what sets people free? Truth. truth does it say love sets people free? Now, look, I love love, but it doesn't say that. Does it say grace sets people free? No, it says truth because Jesus is the word of God that was in the beginning. He is the word. He is the bread of life. He is the unleavened bread. So, what does this mean for us? Because he talks to us also about the leavened bread. And he says to us throughout his word, hey, look, you guys need to beware of the leavened bread. You need to be aware of, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you need to be aware." of the the leaven of of Herod. So he's saying there's something in this earth that actually is gonna cause you to stumble. It's gonna cause mixture to come into my people that will deceive them, especially in the days of the end because he said this in Matthew chapter 24 when his disciples asked him, Tell us about your return in the times of the end. And he said, be careful not to be deceived. Therefore, he's saying there is going to be so much leaven sewn into the culture that is going to be religion and it's going to be politics. It's going to be in the church and it's going to be in the state. It's going to be the priests, and it's going to be the kings. And so he's saying to them, this is not me, but this is pure. Jesus said this. Satan came, but he has nothing in me. He found nothing in me because there was such a purity of the word and truth and the connection with the father. Therefore, Satan had nothing in him. It says that there's no shadow of turning in him. So Paul tells us about this leaven in Ephesians 4, 14. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You see, when Jesus told them to beware of this leaven, he said this leaven is going to come in teachings and it's going to come in doctrine. It is an, an ideology. it is a philosophy that man has created that has nothing to do with what Jesus is his intentions for his people. The truth is is that leaven lies. And leaven deceives. He called the Pharisees hypocrites. He said, you are hypocrites, which means you're actors. You're doing one thing and you're saying another. Does anybody know or, I mean, does that bear witness to anybody about what's happening right now? I'm going to tell you something and I'm going to put it in a certain word track and I'm going to try to trick you into what I want you to believe so that you will go the direction that I want you to go. That is the political spirit, and that is the religious spirit. But Jesus said, no, don't listen to this you have to eat from me. I am the unleavened bread. And when you come to me, you access what's happening in the supernatural kingdom. Therefore, you bring my supernatural kingdom down. And when the truth comes, it sets everything free, including your own heart, so that you can walk in the ways of God and in the will of God. John 18, verse 37, Pilate said to him this, he said, are you the king? Are you the king? And again, he said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this reason, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to what? The truth that I shall be the unleavened bread for you. That when you eat of me, when you take communion, when you come into unity of the faith, when you come into union with me, what happens is that you begin to come into alignment. And everyone who hears this truth will hear my voice. All right, let me share with you a great testimony. So years ago, I was coming back from my daughters in uh, Kansas City, and I'm on Southwest Airlines which I like to call the bin airlines, you know, the bins. I mean, everybody's like shoving stuff in these bins and it's just, it's life or death with those bins, the way people fight over them. Anyway, so I've got my carry-on, you know, I'm outside, everybody starts lining up, you know, and it's like, okay... B-40, you know, it's like you're playing bingo or something. And it's like, okay, I'm in B, and so I go get in line, and I don't know what I was thinking, maybe, probably, who knows, I don't know. So I get on the plane, and and I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm like one of the first ones on the plane. Got plenty of bin space for my carry-on, and I think, "Uh uh-oh, I left my carry-on back in the airport. Now, I never do this, never do this. And so, I I get panicked, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. So, here's what goes through my mind. They're going to think it's a bomb, or somebody's going to steal it, and then it goes through, you know, the inventory of everything I have in my luggage. But anyway, that's an aside. So, I run back out there. Oh, there it is. I get it. Now, I'm the last person on, and I'm thinking Ben's face. (laughs) So, now I'm the last person on. There's one seat left, and of course, it's in the middle. No window. So... As I'm pulling up, I think, oh, I know what's going on. This is an assignment. So I, you know, I do the, "Mm, mm, mm," hoping some man will get out of his seat. Didn't happen. Oh, well. (laughs) I get it up there, shut it. You know, the whole plane's like watching you. Anyway, so I sit down. Okay, so here I am, you know, I'm scrunching down between these two people. So there's a beautiful young black woman to my right next to the window, and there's a very, uh, um, accountant like businessman on my left. So, um, I smile and I am like, hi, sorry, I'm late. <laughs> Held everybody up. So, uh, She and I start talking, and I immediately, I can see her in the spirit. And so I said, I can see that you're an opera singer, and the Lord is bringing you to France. And she's going, I'm sorry, who are you? I mean, her eyeballs look like sand dollars. Seriously, they were poking out of her brain. It was hilarious. And she was like, who are you? How do you know that? She said, I am, I, am, I am going to college in California. I'm an opera singer, and I just got an internship in Paris. And I was like, yes. <laughs> now, I got to tell you guys, we're as shocked about that as she is, you know, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, I'm on a roll, and I look over at the accountant, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And well, he just heard all of this, right? And so he's thinking to himself, oh God, please don't let her talk to me. <laughs> so I'm like, so I start engaging in conversation and I, in the spirit, um, when somebody's totally shut down and offended and, you know, prideful, sorry, it's just the way it goes, you can't see them. I can't see them prophetically. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what are you doing? So I'm trying to talk to this guy and about four rows up is this baby that I am not kidding you. It's like somebody's got a cattle prod after this baby. It's, it's a newborn. It's screaming. It has lungs and it's really mad. And it's so, it's that searing kind of voice where everybody in the plane is like, so um, so I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is really annoying. So I'm trying to talk to him about Jesus, and he's like, yeah, you know, I grew up Catholic, and I'm I just, you know, I'm just never really, and it was religious, and I just blah, 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 and my mom. And so he goes into the whole thing, and I'm thinking, okay, I can barely hear you. And so I said to him, um, and he's like, I really don't want to hear it. And I'm like, okay. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I said, if I will pray... And get that baby to quit crying. (laughs) Can I tell you about Jesus? And he's like, sure. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm out there now. I got, I got another 30 minutes on the flight with this guy. You know, this better be, this better work. So I said, in the name, so right in front of him, I said, in the name of Jesus, I release peace and I command you to stop crying. And the baby goes. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, right? This was not like a slow, I'm going to kind of start crying. I mean, that baby's mouth shut. It's like, it's like Daniel. Shut up the mouth of the lions. It's beautiful. So anyway, so I'm like. <laughs> he said to me. I can't believe that just happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and of course, on the inside, I'm like, be cool. Be cool. <laughs> okay. So, see, what's happening is I'm tapping into the supernatural kingdom, and the spirit of truth is now operating because the spirit of truth will go out and it will not return void, but it'll go out and achieve everything that God speaks. And so I said to him, so, all right, let me just ask you a question. Do you think that the God of all the universe created heaven and earth and everything in it? who created the beautiful trees and the flowers and the butterflies and, the, and beautiful children and babies and teeming brooks and streams and that knows everything from the beginning to the end, is sovereign, he made the human eye with millions of parts and pieces all to perfection, that created the DNA. Every single one of us is unique, and he knows and has counted the hairs on our head He knows what each one of us is going to do and then helps and partners with us and what that's going to be. I said, do you think that he sent his son, his only beloved son, into the earth to live a sinless life, miracles, signs and wonders, walked on water, raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons. Do you think that he sent him here to die a brutal, horrific death on the cross and to rise on the third day so that he could start a religion. And he said, well, I've never really thought about it that way. But now that you say it like that, that doesn't make sense. And I said, yeah, because that's not what the truth is. The truth is, is there's a father who had a son and who had many sons and daughters. And this son, who was the firstborn of many brethren, he sent him to get his family back. You see, God is not a distant God, but he's a loving father who loves his kids. And the truth is, he wants to give us everything, life and godliness. He wants to call us home into his heart. He's not looking for servants. He's looking for friends. He's looking for family. Amen? So he is a king, and he did come, but he came as a king to bring us home into a kingdom that's a supernatural kingdom that now we can flow. And our dad, he's the jefe, (laughs) for those of you who speak Spanish. (laughs) He's the boss. He's the one in control. How blessed are we that we get to be a part of his story, that we get to be a part of of his miraculous life, and that when we eat this unleavened bread, we actually tap into a truth that will set us free, and a truth that when we hear his voice and he begins to say our name, I'll never forget the day when I heard him say my name, and I felt like I'd come home. Maybe today someone dragged you here. Maybe they went and picked you up and your parents said, you got to go, it's Easter. If you love your mother, you're going on Easter. (laughs) Or maybe you've come here today because of what's happening in the world. He said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that the whole world will come to the desire of my son, because there's only one truth, and we are in desperate need of that truth right now. We can't listen to what media says. We can't listen to what this person, we can't. We have to hear it. We have to get connected to the plumb line. We have to get connected to the, to the spirit of truth so that we can be fearless in this hour and not Fearful. Nowhere in his word does it say, be safe. No, it says, be courageous, be fearless, for I am with you. And I'm gonna go before you if you will listen to me and you will take part of me. And not of this. This is the culture that we are living in. This is the culture of the kingdom. It is pure. It is spotless. It is holy. And this is who we were created to become one with. By the way, just an aside, this is also unsanctified emotions. I'm speaking to everybody here who's under 30 years old. Just because you feel something don't mean it's the truth. Okay. So, maybe if you're here, you're kind of halfway in, halfway out, and you are on autopilot. I have a really good friend, Michael, sitting in the front row. He doesn't let anybody be on autopilot because you're coasting. But coasting is not going to get you where you need to go. You need to be all in, all the way, all the time. Because the truth is, the only person that you are limiting is yourself. Have you ever driven a Mach 1 race car? Well, you don't want to drive it around the racetrack, like in first gear, That's what you're doing when you're coasting. You're going to get there, but you're not going to have any fun. But if you'll just shift it into overdrive and get on with being passionate and all the way in, I'm telling you, it's going to be a wild ride. So Jesus is saying this to us this morning. I am the bread of life. And if any of these maybe you's that I've been talking about applies to you and you're here, Jen, can you come up? And you're feeling like that you want to get back in, you want to get back into the game. That you're tired of sitting on the fence saying, well, uh... I know I'm going to heaven because I said yes, but you're not really accessing the kingdom. You're not really operating in the fullness of everything God paid for. Because again, over and over, he talked about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of salvation. This is not about getting your ticket punched. This is about getting your ticket punched and going on the ride of your life. And a lot of you that have gotten bitter or you've been hurt, I get it. Get back in the game. And I feel like today the Holy Spirit is saying, today is your day to come home. You can't be kind of married. You have to be all the way married. You can't be kind of pregnant. You've got to be all the way pregnant. You can't be kind of in love. You've got to be all the way in love. And so I feel like today that there are those of you who are here and you may have been hurt by parents. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by friends. Or maybe you've just been so disappointed that things haven't worked out the way you thought. I feel like today is a day to say, I'm going to be all in.